All right, this is Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. It's now Wednesday, December 23rd. We're two days away from Christmas. This is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I'm joined, of course, by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini. It was a fun night of college basketball last night. Virginia beat Cal in overtime. Xavier is actually down 18 at Wake Forest. Ends up winning that game. Iowa State won at Cincinnati. Bounced back from that uh, loss to Northern Iowa over the weekend. Purdue handled Vanderbilt at home. DePaul killed George Washington, which ruined a drunk bet. Pretty upset with uh, Mike Lonergan right now. But I think the highlight of the night uh, was a really fun game between Michigan State and Oakland. 20,000 fans at the Palace, top-ranked team in the country, playing without its star, Denzel Valentine. Michigan State's down 13 at the half. Kay Felder is killing. Michigan State eventually wins 99-93 in overtime. Felder finished with 37 points and 9 assists. Brent Forbes got 32 points for Michigan State. Norlander. How much of this did you see? I know there was a lot going on last night. How much of the Kay Felder show did you see? I saw all of the Kay Felder show. I went, I went multi-screen. Love and, the Kay uh, Felder show. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you wanna, if you wanna take the first fifteen minutes of the podcast to to talk about your your column and Kay Felder, I'm I'm not gonna stop you. But before we get to that, huge, listen, huge of him to show up like that yep. because obviously that's the best team Oakland's played this season. And you can often have situations where mid-major stars will run into big-time teams and they won't have great games just because, obviously, that's that's 1A, 1B, 1C on the scouting report. Michigan State was unable to stop Felder, who, by the way, had a BS charge call on him that put him out of the game in overtime, his fifth foul uh, with an offensive call. So if that doesn't get called, maybe Oakland can hang on and steal it, but uh, unfortunately they couldn't. Michigan State gets a really good test. Oakland and Valparaiso are the two best teams in the horizon, and unfortunately there's not going to be a situation where both of those teams can reach the tournament. Uh, but you you would think that one of the two will end up getting to March, and that'll be good either way because, one, Valpo's the better team, and Valpo has the ability to, to get some wins. Or you got Felder, and let's be honest here, anytime you've got uh, a bat- college basketball player who stands under six feet and can just light it up in bunches, that's just something that people automatically uh, flock to. So either way, the horizon should be well represented in the NCAA tournament come March for Michigan State. Great win, no Valentine. The way they responded, actually, you'll notice with Michigan State, with Xavier, and with Iowa State, even though Iowa State's not undefeated, those three teams, kind of legitimate teams, all faced significant double-digit deficits last night, and all three came back and won. Um, was Iowa State down double digits? Uh, I thought they were. I thought they were. Up Cincinnati double. was down double digits. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought Iowa State right. was. Cincinnati up was twice down by thirteen. Right. Um. So. But it, your point. It, your point's your point. Happened. Like those. Those were good. Like those are all good wins. Xavier winning at Wake is a good win. Michigan State. After, they were all away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan State being, um, you know, technically a neutral site game and uh, down significantly without Denzel Valentine. Like if you get down thirteen points without your best player, like you you might lose no matter who you play. No matter you know no matter who the opponent is. And so for them to rally. Uh, impressive. And then Iowa State obviously going in and beating a good Cincinnati team. Uh, impressive. Sam, uh, I had a lot of people ask me this yesterday. I'll just ask you. Um, Kay Felder, uh, can he play in the NBA? Is he, is, he an, is he even on an NBA radar? Oh, I mean, I think he's certainly on the radar. I mean, there are 300, 400 college basketball players that are on the NBA radar. Uh, you talk true. to the right scouts. Uh, no, I mean, they, they track everyone. They try and make sure that they're not missing anyone. And Kay Felder, certainly a guy that they know, uh, that they know well, uh, he's taken a step forward this year, certainly into a way that 
there's a chance that he could play in the NBA. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's explosive. The jump shot is the key to me. I mean, uh, I, I did not personally expect that jump shot to be as good as it is. Uh, but it's, it's awesome right now. I mean, the guy can't miss. You saw that step back, like crossover jumper. Who, whose face did he hit that in? That was absurd. Like was, it was, was that totally, in Forbes face? I don't know. It was I, either in Forbes or Tom Tom. I think Tom right. Tom's face. Like it was unreal. Uh, if you can shoot off the dribble like that, you can pass like he can, you're going to have a shot at any size. I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas is proving right. that right now at the Celtics. Uh, he's athletic enough. If you've seen some highlight films of him, uh, it, he throws up like alley-oop dunk sometimes, like, and he's the one dunking it. So uh, it's, it wouldn't be crazy at all to see K Felder play in the NBA. I do think he's probably a four-year player, which means we're lucky enough to get him for another year. Uh, and he's going to throw up records. I think that uh, that's what a lot of people haven't figured out yet. Like I wrote about this last year that he was on pace to finish like in the top three or four all time in the NCA and assists. Uh, that's only gone up this year. He, if he averages like nine assists a game again uh, for the rest of this year and throughout next year, uh, I want to say that he's within like 20 of first place all time. So we're going to see some pretty heavy uh, K Felder uh, highlights for the next year and a half, I would say. Has anybody ever, um, and I only ask this because, you know, a, a, he's number two in scoring in the country and number one in assists in the country. Has anybody ever led points per game and assists per game same year? I can't think of anyone that I mean, could. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, it would have had I to have been the like closest, in the, 40s. the closest thing I can think of is didn't Kurt Thomas lead in points I, and rebounding? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, um, seems like points and rebounds, assist, like uh, Michael B's, Michael, yeah, it, it, points and rebounding is much easier because you can get points yeah. off rebounds, you know? Like, I think Michael Beasley was up there pretty good in the points and rebounds, uh, uh, you know, rankings for for the country. But, like, points and assist, like, I don't know of anybody who's ever done that. I mean, I, this is something we could obviously look up. But could look up. I just, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, I don't think so. It'd, yeah. be, uh, it'd be amazing and awesome if, if he did it. And uh, Oakland has a way, by the way, of just – Greg can't be some love here because, you know, you had Travis Bader, uh, kind of just a complete unknown who ended up setting the record for most three-pointers in college. Uh, you know, he put um, Keith uh, Keith Benson was just turned into a terrific, terrific, terrific college player. Uh, got look, got a look at the league, and um, I'm blanking Reggie. Um, well, they had, uh, Reggie Hamilton, I believe. Hamilton, his thank name, you. Right. Uh, he had Raul Marshall as well. He's just Oakland is just they've yeah. been there's always something interesting happening with that program and Campy's one of the more respected guys in the profession. Um, so whether Summer Valpo um, again representing the Horizon, uh, the NCAA tournament will be better for it. So. For, for folks who don't really have a good grasp of what we're talking about, I will back up just a little bit. Uh, Kay Felder he obviously plays at Oakland. He's a lightly regarded. A recruit coming out of high school, mostly because he was only five foot eight coming out of high school. He's only five foot nine now, which is why uh, it's a question about whether he could play in the NBA at six two. Nobody's debating whether he could play in the NBA, but he is. He's a little bitty guy. He's thick. He's built. You know, he's but he's not skinny, but he's really really small. And so I'm sitting in the airport on Sunday, like I've got a flight delay, right? And so um, I knew that he had gone for like 38, like Saturday night at Washington or Saturday at Washington, 38 points, nine assists. And a lot of people are tweeting about him. And I start Googling, I start Googling, Googling. And I'm like, nope, 
no, no, not, not Googling to find out who he is. Googling <laughs> to see what has, what, if anybody's ever written about, has anybody ever told yeah. a story? Nobody's ever told a story, but uh, certainly not on a, on a, on a national level. And so I just like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to Kay Felder tomorrow and talk to Greg Campy tomorrow because, um, they're playing Michigan state on Tuesday night. And uh, the timing ended up working out well because you get a fabulous game and a, and a great performance. So it worked out from my perspective. But this is – it's even more I, – I, I just sort of assumed because anytime there's a little bitty guy at a mid-major who's completely a statistical monster, like you just assume there's got to be a story there. I have no idea what it is, but there's got to mm. be a story there. <clears throat> so how about this? So Campy and those guys at Oakland targeted him because he's a local kid um, when he was a sophomore in high school. And they target him because they they think if he stays small, they can get him. Like if he does, right. as long as he doesn't grow, the high majors will stay away. So Greg Campy basically spent a couple of years, three years maybe, like hoping that Kay Felder doesn't grow. Like I need you to stay short. I, you know, it's such a weird, twisted way to approach. And obviously you have no control over that. But like you go to bed every night and you pray, please God, <laughs> um, you know, take care of my family. Um, you know, peace in the Middle East and do not let Kay Felder grow. You know, like that's sort of the way you go. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually, um, you know, he's so good and and so explosive that uh, some Atlantic 10 schools came in at the end, but none of the power conference schools, nobody offered him a scholarship. He's essentially at Oakland because he was a five foot eight point guard coming out of, uh, out of high school, but Campy, and this was, I, I don't know that I've ever heard of this before. Campy said he was so concerned that they would lose him if they took a point guard in the class of 2012, the year um, that would have been the year before Kay Felder enrolled at Oakland. He said, if we, he said, we didn't have a point guard on our roster, so we needed a point guard. But I was scared if I took a point guard just ahead of his class, other schools would come in and say, Oakland took a point guard, you know, last year. They've got a friend because whoever we took to play that position, they would have been our starting point guard as a freshman. And other schools would have come in and said, they've got a starting point guard who's a freshman. You're gonna, you're not going in there and playing. Be careful. And he said, I didn't want to give anybody, any staff in America, an opportunity to do that. So I decided not to take a point guard, which means we played the entire season with no point guard. And I think they finished right around 500 that year. But he was like, I knew if I didn't screw it up, we're getting this kid. And I knew this kid was special. And he would be our starting point guard from the moment he stepped on campus. So I played an entire season without a point guard simply to show him, you're my guy. Nobody else is my guy. You're my guy. And while I have heard of, of coaches not taking players at certain positions ahead of a certain player's class, like that's pretty common. The idea that you would do it at the, at the expense of not playing with a point guard for an entire season is pretty radical, right? Campy is unlike pretty much any other coach in the country um, when it comes to that kind of stuff and the stories he'll share and the things he'll do. He was great. Uh, I mean, the Bader thing, like I mentioned Travis Bader. I did a story on him a couple years back, year and a half back, I guess, when he was breaking the all-time college three-point record. And that only happened. He didn't even realize what he had in Bader. Uh, a couple guys, a couple big-time starters had missed um, the team bus uh, heading, heading out to a game. And it was the first game of the season, and and Campy didn't want to have to sit these guys, but he, he's like, I, I, you know, you got to make an example in the first game of the year, otherwise they're going to take advantage of it and all that stuff. So um, he goes, you guys missed you. He, they didn't miss the bus; they were late by like five minutes or whatever. He's like, you're late, you're not playing, uh, you're not playing in the game or whatever. And because of that, he he 
puts Bader in, not really knowing, and he kid goes off like five or six shooting from three-point range and so suddenly discovers he's got this really reliable three-point shooter had no idea may, may not have known for a year or two if not for uh if not for that so yeah he's he's full of interesting stories and and uncommon occurrences that uh that kind of bring his program some some good publicity sam meantime virginia beat cow in overtime cow was up at the half virginia you know obviously pushes it to an extra period they win there does that tell us to slow down a little bit on virginia because it was a home game or is that, Hey, you know what? Cal's got real talent. They played like it. This is what happens when they play like it. They can take a top five team, uh, you know, to, to an extra period, even in a road game. What did you make out of those 45 minutes of basketball? I mean, I don't think either team played up to their potential in that game. Like, like it wasn't a game that was played particularly well. I mean, even beyond like the whole Virginia likes to play sloppy basketball games and, you know, all that stuff that people say that's been kind of proven wrong this year, uh, given their offensive skill. Um, This was a bad game of basketball, pure and simple. Virginia did not play well. Uh, California certainly didn't play up to their potential, I would say. Uh, They came in with a good game plan and uh, were there every time Virginia wanted to run something for the first 30 minutes of the game. Um, Kwanzaa came in with a good defensive game plan and then the entire thing fell apart in the last seven minutes. I think they scored, uh, I I don't know if they scored a field goal in the last uh, seven minutes of regulation. To be honest, um, it, it was really, really bad, really, really ugly basketball. Um, just I don't know how much to take away from it either way. I mean, Cal uh, still hasn't looked particularly good this year at any point um, beyond the St. Mary's win, which looks pretty good, I would say. Uh, and St. Mary's is out to nine and one, but St. Mary's also uh, their best wins are Stanford and UC Irvine, so there's nothing really to write home there. I think the jury's still out on them. Um, outside of that, they don't have a top 150 win right now. Right. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see them have Davidson at home coming up here uh, before the new year. And then on New Year's Day, they get Colorado. Uh, and on the third, they get Utah. So I think we're going to learn more about them over the course of their next three games uh, right up until January 3rd. But the book's still out on them. I mean, this... They could go anywhere from winning the Pac-12 to missing the NCAA tournament right now. You know what I mean? Like, and it wouldn't be crazy by any stretch. Uh, Norlander, so back in the preseason, I don't remember who you picked to win the ACC. Do you remember who you picked to win the ACC? I picked Virginia. Who would you pick, right? Would you stick with Virginia right now? Um, Jeez. Yeah, I think I would. Barely. Uh, I would go, yeah, I'd go Virginia. One Carolina just just behind him. It's it's close. I actually think that Cal. It wasn't a great game, but Cal with what it did and going into Virginia, and the way it lost is frustrating for Cal fans because you know they hold a six point lead in overtime. They held a double digit lead late into the second half. They weren't able to hold on to that. Overall, it's frustrating, but I think it's signs of positive development. But they and it. A good thing, but now that's that they've expired all uh, sorts of moral victories here. Cal has now got to absolutely start uh, paying off some dividends and showing us that they can be the team that we thought it would be. We had this team as a preseason top fifteen, top fifteen team in the country, and it's not that right now. As for the ACC, I, I'll still take Virginia. It was sort of aberrational what uh, the Wahoos did against Villanova with that offensive output. It was kind of insane. I mean, really, really good def- offensive team so far this season, regardless, but. 
yeah, I'll still go Virginia by a hair over Carolina. <sighs> then I, I think I, man, I think I take Duke than Miami. Really, really close. You're not concerned um, about Emil Jefferson being out for a couple of months? I'm, I'm presuming uh, I'm, I'm taking Duke at, yeah, I guess if we're going standings wise, Miami ahead of Duke isn't ridiculous. I would say at full strength, I would take Duke barely ahead of Miami. They have was, five kind of, of the top 11 teams at Ken Palm Virginia, Louisville, Duke, Carolina, and Miami. Yeah. I, I, crazy, right? And, and I would, like those and I five, would... those five could finish in almost any order. And it wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't be weird to me. It would be weird if Louisville won the league. I still don't buy them at all. Um, well, let, let's talk about Louisville for a okay. second because they won again uh, last night. They won huge, right? They're now sitting, Andre McGee Classic. It, it was the Andre McGee <laughs> Classic, right? And so they're ten and one. Um, the only loss is a close loss at Michigan State when Michigan State had Denzel Valentine. Like you could argue, I think some people would argue that Louisville's most impressive performance to date is the one loss as opposed to any of the ten wins because the, the ten wins, like they've played nobody, right? They, I mean, they beat nobody. And, but I will say they are. But they beat nobody. And they beat the hell out of everybody. Yes. Nobody. Their ten wins have all come by at least twenty points. At least twenty points. I mean, they're killing everybody. Um, the top 20 in offensive efficiency, top five in defensive efficiency. Uh, they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. Uh, they, this is a good basketball team, even if they don't have the wins. I get some pushback because I've got them ranked in the top 10 right now, uh, mostly pushback from Kentucky fans because they just are going to push back against anything that uh, suggests Louisville might be good. But um, I know that they don't have the wins, but that's more. that's got more to do with their schedule than it does their ability, I think. I mean, I th- that's a good basketball Everything. From the Hall of Fame coach to the transfer who's killing to all the advanced numbers, like Louisville's a good basketball team. I don't understand how you could how you could you know we can debate whether they're really top ten or top twenty. Yeah, that's, that's I guess. Let me be clear. Yeah. One, I'll say I was wrong in the preseason. I was wrong in the preseason the, too. We so ranked that the one to three fifty one. We had Sam and I had Louisville fifty, and we definitely said, "Are we putting Louisville too high?" Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. But, uh, <laughs> you were yeah, pretty you high did. on that. <laughs> uh, no, no, absolutely. You were like, you know, we might want to have Louisville more in like the one fifteen range. I was like, Sam, let's be reasonable. <laughs> so I was wrong about that. Is it a top twenty five team? I'm pretty much ready to say that now, but I don't buy Louisville being a top three ACC team. I don't buy Louisville being a team that I would. You can be top three ACC and still not be top and still be in the top five. <laughs> Fair enough, but I wouldn't even say right now that I look at Louisville and be like, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable penning them into the Sweet 16. I just want to see them play against more legitimate teams before I get there. But they have looked very strong, and Damian Lee's inclusion to that roster has been as vital as we expected it to be. And we listen, we can, you know, we haven't really covered everything from last night, but if you, since we're on the the topic of Louisville, and when CBS has that game, uh, the it's day America's it's America's most watched network. That's right. And Louisville, Kentucky is happening on Saturday in Rupp. Um, Ken Palm has that as a one-point outcome, by the way, which is wild. Uh, I think Kentucky is going to win with some comfort. And I say that having been critical of what Kentucky is. What are you guys expecting from that? I'm definitely super intrigued by it. And I hope it's a really good game because it's on our network. And I love when Kentucky Louisville is close because they, they've had some really fantastic games, especially over the past decade. But I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking that Louisville's offense is, is going to, uh, to show up in bunches at Rupp. You mean Louisville's top 20 offense in America? 
Yes. I think you're holding on to the past too much, Norlander. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to expect from this game. None. Uh, you know, Damian Lee's been incredible this year. Um, Donovan Mitchell's been really good, too. I really like him. He's a freshman that uh, I talked to, like, a few scouts that, you know, went by Louisville practice early in the year, and they told me, like, Donovan Mitchell, watch out for him. And I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, that's fine. And he's been as good as expected. I mean, he's a great athlete. Uh, the shot, jump shot hasn't come around yet, but he can get into the lane whenever he wants, and I'm excited to see him go up against uh, Jamal Murray. Uh, Onowaku's a guy that is big. Uh, and can defend the paint and is mobile. Uh, and then Trey Lewis has been awesome this year too, beyond even Damian Lee, uh, the transfer from Drexel. So there, there's a lot of talent here on this Louisville team. Uh, I don't know how much I buy them uh, top 10 versus top 20, but I do think that this is a top 20 team talent wise. Uh, and they're a little bit more experienced than Kentucky. They seem to be playing better than Kentucky. It's hard to pick against the Wildcats in Rupp, but this is the kind of game where Louis, or uh, Kentucky kind of needs to figure themselves out quickly, and I don't know if they're there yet. Well, here's the thing. Like, here's yeah. the thing, right? So Kentucky, they've got the early win over Duke, which looked great, and they looked really good. But, like, what does that mean? It, we don't even know what that means now, right? It was a neutral court very early, and we don't know how good Duke is. Like, I, I'm not sure how good Duke is. So, like, the, and outside of that, what do they got? They got a home win over Arizona State. I think Arizona State's okay. Uh, yeah. But, like, really, outside of that, like, if Kentucky had to go to Michigan State, let me ask you this question. If Kentucky had to go to Michigan State and play against the Spartans and Denzel Valentine, could they keep it to four points? Mm, that would be too tough an Probably ask. Probably not. Because sure. that's what Louisville did. I mean, everybody focuses on Louisville hadn't beat anybody, and I get it. Yeah, their their most impressive performance of the year is losing to Michigan State. Right. I just, um, if you would have asked me this, I guess this is the way I would say it. If you would have asked me Kentucky, Louisville, December 26th at Rupp Arena, we talk about it in the preseason, I say Kentucky without hesitation. You asked me two weeks ago, I say Kentucky without hesitation. You asked me today, I might still say Kentucky, but I don't feel good about it at all. Like, you know, like that Kentucky team, Norlander, you and I watched them uh, this past Saturday in Brooklyn. Like they didn't, yeah. they, they, like they didn't just lose a game. They got beat bad by a very average Ohio state team. And if it wasn't for Jamal Murray, having oh, by yeah. far the best game of, right. of mm-hmm. his life. I mean, they lost by 20. It would have been horrendously bad without a doubt. And now if, if Kentucky does lose this game to Louisville, uh, one we'll definitely talk about it on Monday's podcast, but it, it will then open up the conversation of just how bad the SEC is going to wind up being overall, things considered. I understand South Carolina is still undefeated. Uh, that schedule is also plenty suspect to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Vanderbilt, I mean, you couldn't have expected Vanderbilt to go in and win at Purdue. I understand that. They weren't at full strength. But, I mean, Purdue looked really, really good, and then Vanderbilt just... Didn't impress, I guess, overall. Sam wrote about that game. He can kind of go into it more. But uh, we have talked on this podcast about how the SEC is improving. And I think, big picture, it is still trending up. But right now, the returns through the first six weeks of the season haven't given us what we thought the league would be. Um, no, it hasn't. Like, okay, like, who do you believe in in the SEC? Well, actually, forget that. Let's let's take it, uh, sort of go through the league. And who's better or worse than, than what we thought they'd be? Than what anybody thought they'd be. Kentucky at this moment worse, right? By definition, yeah. worse. Like not not bad, but worse than they were supposed to be. Vanderbilt, worse. Worse. Right. Yeah. Florida, 
about the same. Yeah, but probably maybe a little better, but not notice it. Like, you know, they're eight and three. They haven't beaten anybody. They're whatever. Yeah, I mean, their three losses are to like good teams. top 12 teams. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, yeah, we, but, we don't know a ton about where they are yet. Right. I, I'd say they're about like, you know, they're about, they're a scratch, right? Let's, let's call mm-hmm. them a scratch. South Carolina better. Yeah. Yes. Clearly, clearly better, right? Okay. Texas A&M, I think better. Uh, about the same. They're, I, yeah, I mean, about I the same. The, I, I, I thought they fair. would be the second best team in the league. So. Yeah, about, about the same. They're nine and two. I've got them ranked in the top twenty-five and one. Yeah, look, but I had them ranked in the top twenty-five and one in the preseason. So like, yeah. they're they're about the same, right? Let's call them a scratch. Um, Georgia, worse, probably worse, but like probably whatever. a little bit worse. Yeah. yeah, Ole Miss, probably better. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're ten and two. I'll give them. I'll give them a little better than I thought they'd be. They beat nobody, but like they won games. They, you know, yeah. They, they beat, I, I'm they not going to say Memphis they've been Memphis. leaps and bounds better. I will. I will say they've been a little better than expected. Just a uh, little. Just a, maybe not. LSU worse, without a doubt. And then Arkansas, Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Missouri. Like who cares, right? They're well, just, yeah. I mean, I mean, all that, if you want to take them team by team, playing to expectation, all the teams you mentioned uh, have at least three losses, and all of them have, or all, and many of them have five losses. So, so, so of yeah. all the SEC teams, all of them, which one, how many are are actually like significantly better? Only than, South Carolina. I think only South Carolina. That's it. Yeah. Everybody and else even is. South Carolina's got an absolutely god awful non conference schedule. They'd be so we don't like, even know what the Gamecocks are going to be. I will are, tell you, I think they're good. I think they're good. I, 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 you know, got... I think they're putting themselves in a very nice position to make an NCAA tournament, without a doubt, and that's good. And Frank Martin's kind of due for that. But I, I'm not going to sit here and say that's definitely a top 25 team right now. I'm I not, sure, I'm not sure of that either. South Carolina fans are on me. They're like, 11-0, why don't you rank them? And I could. I mean, that's a team. they don't have a top 50 win. Their best win is Tulsa. Like, that's that's it. And Tulsa is not as good as we thought Tulsa should be, right? They have two top 100 wins. Like, this is a not – I mean, we don't know anything about them yet. You right. Know? Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, they're like, listen, 11-0 is great because that's as good as you can be against – like, once you schedule a schedule, uh, you know, being undefeated on December 23rd is as good as you could possibly be, but there ain't a whole lot there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I will say that they – you know, they yeah. – um, you know, they, they, they've won at Clemson. Uh, they beat a Tulsa team that I think's okay, and uh, they handled St. John's last night pretty easily. But a lot of people have handled St. John's easily, except for Syracuse. I know. Uh, how did Syracuse lose that game? Are we, just, are we ever going to figure out? Like, are they going to do a thirty for thirty one year one, uh, someday on how Syracuse <laughs> lost to St. John's in two thousand fifteen? We might need just need a one for one on that. It's, it's just <laughs> so that's just so bizarre. St. John's. I mean, the, the roster. We don't have to spend any time uh, on that. Just yeah. that's just a. But that's an, an inter- that's an interesting weird. observation about the SEC. Like of all the teams who's most of them are either about what they're supposed to be or worse. And only, yeah. only South Carolina we can say is better than we thought they were going to be. And we don't even know how good South Carolina is. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing, and we talked about this Norland and I did with uh, our buddy, Jeff Goodman over the weekend. Like if this Kentucky season, I don't want to say goes off the rails, but like if it doesn't go as planned, it would be the third time in a four year span that they haven't done what they were supposed to do in the preseason. Like basically for the past four years, they've been, I think ranked top two in the preseason every year, either one or two, um, based on the the talent on the roster. But if you go back to 2013, they, um, you know, that was the NIT year, right? That was Nerlens yeah. Noel. Okay, so that yes. was a pre. I believe that was a preseason number one team that ended up in the NIT. That's a disappointment. Then 2014, that was a preseason, you know, number one or number two team. They were right there. And they were 24 and 10 
going into the NCAA tournament, they were an eight seed. Now they got hot and they went all the way to the championship game where they lost to Connecticut, but that was not a good team for the regular season. They underachieved uh, drastically. Kentucky fans don't want to hear that. I, I mean, mean I, no, listen. It, uh, you're, you're speaking truth. I'm just saying yeah. they, they're going to be like, eh, don't care. I made the title. I mean, that, that ended up being a successful year based on results. Okay. Okay. The process was not. Okay, let, pre- let, me, let me rephrase. We'll put it this way. Past four seasons, 2013, NIT. Preseason top five, NIT. Well, I didn't even win an NIT game. Didn't no. Oh, shout out to Bob Morris. Yeah, that's right. 2014, preseason top five team, eight seed in the NCAA tournament. 2015, they were great. 38 and one went to the final four. Uh, this year, again, we don't know how this is going to go, but if it doesn't go well, it would be three times in a four year span where a preseason top five Kentucky team uh, didn't even come close to living up to expectations. Like it doesn't mean. We, you know what I think Gary's saying right now? He's saying fire John Calipari. I'm just saying when you look at it year by year, they, like really how good is the guy? Yeah. That's <laughs> no, I'm saying. not saying, saying fire John Calipari. <laughs> no, I'm not saying, saying that. Uh, the, Christmas it, troll right there. No, they, no, the guy's a hall of famer, like, a, like literally a hall of famer. He's, he's unbelievable. I've, as I said a million times, listen up Kentucky fans. As I've said a million times, if you, if you put me in charge of a basketball program tomorrow, and told me I had to hire one guy to run it, I'd hire John Calipari. That's the guy I would hire. And, uh, and, and I'd take all the negative stuff that comes along with that to the extent there's negative stuff that comes along with that, but that's the guy, all right? So uh, I, I'm joking around. But it is like what I'm saying is actually true. Again, you, we can even leave this year out of it. Two of the past three seasons, they've underachieved in, you know, for four months. Uh, you know, they, they were, uh, preseason top five, NIT. Preseason top five, eight seed. Preseason top five, then they were awesome last year. I'm not going to like nitpick them for not winning a national championship, even though they were preseason number one or whatever. They were awesome. Um, but this year, like it's not off. I don't know. That's just a conversation that I, I bet you if it's not started already, let them lose to Louisville Saturday and Rupp Arena. It'll start right then. You know what the funniest part about this conversation is? Goodman's not even here, and he's going to get crap about this on Twitter because you guys were talking about Kentucky uh like away from Twitter or away oh, from he, and that's well, how well, this conversation started. Well, you have to understand, like we were talking about Kentucky in Barclays center while Kentucky was down 15 points to Ohio state. And the conversation just, you know, sort of uh, develops into, you know, what if this Kentucky team like doesn't like, what if it doesn't happen for them? It'll be the third time in four years that it hasn't happened for them. Um, you know, again, NIT eight seed awesome last year. And then whatever happens here. So like he wasn't banging on Calipari as much as he was. Uh, I th- I actually thought it was a rare, interesting observation from Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Gun to head. Who are you picking Saturday? Louisville or Kentucky? Oh, Kentucky. I'll say Kentucky by nine. Sam. Kentucky in a one possession game. I'm going to go in a one this. possession game. I'm gonna. Yeah. Go, I think I'm gonna go Louisville. I think. I think. Yeah, like, I'm really close to going Louisville. Too. Wow. I, I think if I have to wake up day after Christmas and bet and bet money on it, well, which yeah. I might, which I might do. Um, I think if it were a drunk, if it were the only, if we stipulated that the drunk bet is that the Saturday, ad, that might be the only game. By the way, um, it's the only yeah. top twenty-five game. I don't know if it's the only game, but it is definitely the only top twenty-five game. So if the stipulation for last call for drunk bets, by the way, I'm so. Excited. It is the only game on Saturday. By the way, it's the only college basketball game. I thought that was the case. And because it's the day after Christmas and a Saturday, you can reasonably be drunk at 11 a.m. <laughs> so it might be the drunk bet for Saturday. Last call for drunk bets is, you know, you're, you're, 
I checked the comments last night. We can can we just real quick talk about what happened to George Washington at the Paul? Listen, How do you GW go- has been a nice team that's been just cruising under the radar. And GP logs in his drunk bet. He thinks it's automatic money. I mean, I love the hashtags <laughs> and I love the sentiments on Twitter when he's basically like, let's go. <laughs> let's go pay for Christmas presents, everyone. George Washington's going to cover six against DePaul. And what happens? DePaul wins by 21 points. What in the world? On the road. The uh, GW's only loss to that point had been a five point loss against Cincinnati. Very bizarre. I think GW's actually going to get into the tournament comfortably because I think it's going to do really well in a 10 play. But that's going to be. Just an absolute wart on the resume. I, I can't explain it. Who I can ever wait. Who can I, ever just explain to Paul? I it can't be. I couldn't wait to get George. I couldn't wait to wake up this morning and get George Washington out of the top twenty-five and one. I couldn't even look at him anymore. Was, I'm cracking up reading these comments. Oh, dude, okay, comments are. Here's what's rough. funny about drunk bets. You guys know how this started. It's just like a. It's a gimmick. It's just gimmicky. It's not. It does, it's not meant to be anything more than that, right? But sometimes you get these serious gamblers. And they like they they they, they like you know, roll their eyes at me as if I'm not rolling my eyes at myself. Like, isn't it pretty? <laughs> isn't it pretty clear that I'm rolling my eyes at myself? Like, do you know how much time I spend on that? I like I, I look at the late games. Anything that t- the stipulation has got to tip it um, at no earlier than nine p.m. Eastern. And so I just look at the late games and I go, okay, there's one. What what's something that I could maybe make a funny hashtag about? Like that's it. Like it's all. It's just a gimmicky little thing. And what you'll find out. Um, about sports gambling, like it, it's like it's it's a, it's a lot like flipping a coin. Like you're just gonna be, you know, the, you can either be right or wrong. Like that's it. You can either be right or wrong. Like I, you take GW. Okay, who's gonna cover? Either, well, or either, you can push. I mean, or you yeah. can push, obviously. But like you know, but like my point is, uh, the, the the people who are really great at it are gonna hit about. Like what isn't it like if you're really amazing you hit like 54 percent or something crazy? Yeah, like, let's just say like 56, 57 percent. Yeah. And the people who are really terrible at it can hit like 45 percent. Like it's like it, there ain't a whole lot of difference. Now that matters if you're betting real money. Um, but the the way sports gambling actually gets you, this is one thing I learned last uh, last year because I picked last call for drunk bets every night of the season that where there was a game that qualified, and at the end of the year I think I finished one game over 500. The truth is like. If you just randomly pick every night one game, you're gonna hit, you're gonna be right around 500 at the end. I could do it with hockey. I could do it with college basketball. Like it wouldn't matter. Like I, you know, probably uh, probably not hockey. Like, yeah, hockey, whatever. Can, can we please have Parrish doing like drunk hockey bets? I did, you don't think I've ever made drunk hockey bets? <laughs> you get I the, want them on CBSSports.com. You get to that part of the uh, calendar where there ain't much going on, and, and you look up, and it's like, okay, Stanley Cup playoffs on NBC Sports Network tonight. Let's get it. You know, and just it, the idea of Parrish looking up the Calgary Flames' roster is uh, amazing. Dude, to me. I can't tell you. How no, many. seriously, like Saturday and Sunday, there is a ninety-five percent chance Parrish makes a hockey bet. No, it's like yeah, there's like if there's nothing going like. You know how it is. Like sometimes you just got to get involved in something. I've got a subscription to MLS based off. I got bored in the summer one day. <laughs> I've got an MLS subscription based on nothing more than I got bored in the summer one day. I've got a WNBA subscription. Like me, like there's a there's a handful of me and my friends that just like we have fun with it. But where sports gambling gets you is when you start chasing losers. If you can really just say I'm just going to pick two games three games, whatever it is, and bet the same amount of money every time, then um, then you'll, you'll, you'll be, you won't win, but you won't lose big. Um, but like where they get you is, and this is where they get you. Um, you say, okay, GW minus six, let's get it. 
and then you max bet that, and then they get, they're down whatever they are down at the half, and you go, okay, let's get on this halftime line. We'll get it back. We'll get what, and then now you've lost both of them. And next thing you know, you're trying to get Northern Iowa at one a.m. <laughs> and it just like, it turns into a disaster. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way. That's the way they get you. It and is, that's how children. This is don't not off of experience. This is not. Uh... Not what happened last night. No, it's not, you know what I I was I was like if I would have been awake, there's a hundred percent chance I would have tried to get on that Northern Iowa situation. But that just looked weird to me. Northern Iowa was an underdog to Hawaii. You noticed that, right? Yeah, because Hawaii might have the biggest home court advantage of any team in the country. Um, because it's in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I uh, no, I, I didn't have anything to do with that. Shout out to Bill Self though for getting that GW money back last night. Bill yeah, Self. that San Diego State team is so bad. Yeah, that's that's uh, I don't know if that's worth podcast time necessarily. But <laughs> it's not. Let's no. stop. Yeah, yeah. No. Here, listen, here's the point I was trying to make before I started rambling about uh, sports betting. If if we made Louisville, Kentucky, the drunk bet for Saturday. In fact, I might do a special edition of a last call for drunk bets. Special edition drunk bets. Uh, special edition last call for drunk bets on Saturday morning. <laughs> like, hey, it's it's a weekend. Let's let's do, let's start drinking early and make bets. Um, I might take Louisville. I really might take Louisville. I don't feel great about it. It's like I'm not sitting here. Uh, you guys are crazy. I'll show you. Louisville's going to run Kentucky off the court. I don't necessarily believe that. But um, I think at this moment, Louisville might be the better basketball team. And isn't that something wild to say? I don't know. We'll see. Um, it, it should be. It should be. I, I do think it will be a very telling game. If Louisville is able to go in and outright win or keep it really close at Rupp, um, then I think people will start to take the Cardinals even more seriously to that point. Not that they aren't now, but, you know, national game against Kentucky, best rivalry in the sport outside of Carolina and Duke. I think that's certainly something that uh, is going to catch a lot of people's attention. So It's funny you, you framed it that way. I think it's better than Carolina-Duke right now. When you have Calipari and Patino involved, I think it makes it better than Carolina-Duke. Oh, I agree. I, I don't want to spend the next I 20 think, minutes talking about this, by the way. But, like, I've... Yeah, I've, yeah we don't need it. Since, Calipari, I, yeah, yeah, since Calipari Patino yeah. got there, I think it adds an entirely different dynamic to that rivalry. Yeah. Like, yes. like, in a different time, yeah, Duke-Carolina. It's the first. best current rivalry. Historically, Duke-Carolina has... Sure. Duke-Carolina play every year. I agree with Kentucky that. Kentucky-Louisville went ages without being played, but I would say it's the best current rivalry in the sport. I think that's GP, um, can you just give us a little bit of your uh, your Christmas update? Every podcast, every year, usually. Any any interesting Christmas stuff that you can leave us with as uh, as listeners could be listening to this on their way to relatives and family's houses for the holiday season? Well, I would say a couple of things. Uh, last year we spent Christmas in Telluride. That was terrific. I it thought was... about that. You're not, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not going back there this you year. You know what was odd? Like my 12 year old, he doesn't care about anything or like he pretends that he doesn't care about anything. Like he's really like, you know, shrugs his shoulders at everything. And yet the one thing he actually expressed emotion about was he didn't like, he loved, like it was beautiful. Like I cannot overstate it enough. Like if you can ever like, it it was my it was my first time to tell you Ryan and like being there for Christmas I loved it like I want to go back every year like that was my plan go back every year I cannot overstate how how great I thought it was just every aspect of it wake up on Christmas morning you don't have to deal with your family uh you you but it's like the mountains and the snow like I live in the south so we don't get that really like it, I just thought it was unbelievable I could not wait to go back and my twelve year old like actually said he didn't like being away from his grandparents and his cousins and that kind of stuff and so. Um, it, it's like the one thing he said he cares about. So I felt like I had to pay attention to him. And so we didn't go for, for strictly that reason. He wanted to be home for Christmas. So we are going to be home for Christmas. 
Um, and also, we are uh, we we could uh, have our uh, entire uh, house devastated by a tornado. We're in the middle of tornado. Uh, yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, were you, did you actually go on the Weather Channel this morning? <laughs> I swear to God, I was on the Weather Channel this morning. I forgot to DVR. I, I knew you were going to be on, and I just I didn't do it. How that about this? Re- so how I, did that even happen? Okay. Wait, 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 wait. I, I thought that you meant like. Parrish turned on the Weather Channel this morning. No, was I was actually like on TV. Dude, I was on the Weather Channel this morning. All right, let me explain this to you. Um, so Josh Vexler is a guy who used to work for, I believe, Sporting News Radio, right? But certainly one of the national radio uh, uh, brands. And his name popped up in my phone yesterday. Like if you, if I don't know who you are, or I won't answer it, or if I know who you are and I don't want to talk to you, I won't answer it. But I, I thought that, okay, Josh is calling to book me on some show. Um, like, I haven't heard from him in a while. Um, I'll, I answered the phone. And I was like, Josh, how you doing? And he said, uh, he said you know, it's normal stuff, how the kids, all that. And he said, hey, I've got a weird request for you. I said, okay, like, wh- what's up? And he said, um, I'm no longer in sports radio. And I said, okay. And he said, but I do work at the Weather Channel. I said, okay. <laughs> he said, and I was wondering if we could get you on tomorrow morning to talk about the severe weather that's coming your way. <laughs> And I said, sure, um, but um, – and I said, before tomorrow morning, I'll figure this out. But I, I know this sounds dumb because I'm like just sitting here working on a K. Felder column. But uh, what severe weather? I don't know what you're talking about. It's 65 degrees outside. Like it was 65 degrees yesterday. I said, I don't even – and he said, well, that's part of the problem. <laughs> it's really warm and it shouldn't be. And uh, you've got tornadoes on the way, Possible, t- tornado possibilities on the way, severe thunderstorms and – like it's going to get really, really bad. And I said, well, that's good to know. I appreciate you letting me know. And sure, if you need me, I'll be there. So yeah, I was a, a special guest on the Weather Channel this morning to discuss um, how... Yeah, but what are you providing then? <laughs> I, like, I, live, I live on the corner of Memphis and Tennessee, uh, right. Memphis and Mississippi, and uh, yeah, a tornado might hit my house. I'm still not getting this. No. Why are they putting you on okay. television on the Weather Channel? I'll ask you... Um, I, 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 Last call for tornado bets? I don't yeah. get this. No, it, it, listen... It, it was just as weird from my perspective as it is from yours. Uh, no, they wanted to ask me. They said, um, um, you know, is it, first off, you know, I don't know if you know, I don't really watch the Weather Channel. Um, I turned it on this morning to, like, pre- prepare. <laughs> so, uh, but one of the things you find out about the Weather Channel, if you, for people who don't watch it, they all they do is talk about the weather. And that can like that can run, you can run out of that pretty quickly, right? So you need all sorts of different angles. So they wanted to bring in somebody from Memphis to discuss um, how Memphians are preparing for this possible tornado situation. And uh, I, I I I explained to them uh, that I think they were hoping that I would tell them like, oh yeah, the city's in a. Uh, uproar and like we're buckling down now but the thing about tornado warnings that's a little like in this part of the country like i've grown i grew up with tornado warnings it's like practically you know every other week it's like a tornado warning get in the hallway at school tornado warning there's the siren like we have a siren not far from my home we hear it all the time and yet i've never seen a tornado my whole life i've never been personally affected by a tornado so the weird thing about this part of the country when you uh, hear about a tornado warning is you almost become desensitized to it. Like you just, uh, you're just sort of not like, okay, whatever. Like when you hear uh, ice storm warning, like you know, like the roads are about to get icy. You know, that's going to affect you. Uh, You hear snowstorm warning. You know that um, like it's about to be snow in the South. That's going to affect you. But a tornado warning, there's a better than good. In fact, almost hundred percent chance it's not going to affect you. So I don't know that we take them as seriously as we probably should. 
Um, but the truth is, like, we could have tornado warnings all day today, and I'd probably be fine. But the the, 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 the crazy thing about that is like, if you're not fine, you're not fine. Like it either get, it, you're either like, it doesn't affect you in any way or it destroys your life and possibly ends it. So it's a weird dynamic. And then they were like, okay, well, uh, yeah, th thanks Gary. <laughs> so, that, so that's sort of the way it went down, right? That was a, that's a, that's a reasonable answer for tornadoes, isn't it? I feel like I'm a little bit of a tornado warning expert. I just, I, listen. Safety to your family. We had almost gone this 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 podcast with me not being the predominant talker, and then you, we've screwed it up. No, again. no, no, no. no. I, see, you underestimate you. <laughs> so much. Like, what, are you, what are you talking about? You talk like eighty percent of the podcast, even before that. I it's all good. I didn't it's feel like good. that. I didn't feel like that. I do. I do. I hear it from. I'm very aware of it now. So, like, I try to go, Sam. Uh, tell me about K Felder as an NBA prospect, and I just try to shut the f up. And then here we are. I'm rambling about the Weather Channel for 15 minutes. Hey, I, I, I did set you up for it. So. Yeah, this one actually uh, seems like a smart decision. <laughs> right. Well, listen. Go argue with Rostin, Orlando. Leave me alone. I, I'm I'm done arguing for the holidays. Be nice to people. It's Christmas for crying out loud. Anyway, I don't have any really big Christmas plans. We got family coming over, and we're gonna, you know, it is fun when you have kids. The 12 year old, he's getting a little, um, a little, you know, he's he not he's not really emotionally invested in Santa Claus anymore. But the the two year old, like he, he you know, he's fired up, right? So it's fun. Like Christmas with kids is a lot of fun. Are you? Uh, yeah, my young one, he doesn't even know. Yeah, he, no this is almost a freebie for us because he has no concept yet. I mean, he's getting stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. Uh, Yes, next Christmas will be the one where he really has any sort of idea of a concept of Santa. But sure. uh, one more question here: Can I, can we get the uh, the eggnog stance on, of the podcast here? Because I'm very anti eggnog. I don't mind it, but it ain't something I'm down. Like I'm not like stocking up on it. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Here's a hot take: I've never tasted eggnog. Oh God, Sam, we gotta live a little. <laughs> well, I'm, I'd just rather have beer or yeah. like I'm not against a that drink. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm more, I'm more, uh, I'm more pro vodka for Christmas. And that, that that's not holiday dependent, GP. Yeah, I'm more. <laughs> yeah, I'm more vodka. So like last night when I um, I was uh, sort of in a group text with some of my degenerate gambling friends, and we were trying to figure out how we were going to handle this George Washington second half situation, and um, and so I was like, you know, one of them asked me about the Weather Channel, and I was like, yeah, I got to do it, and they said, dude, go. Are you doing it from your little studio in your house? And I said, yeah, I guess so. And they said, go put a new Amsterdam bottle on the shelf behind you. Like you know, people have books and yeah, pictures. Yeah, yeah. So I. So they send you stuff. Yeah, no, I. Yeah, I don't know if they'll send me anything, but like, if you go find a picture of me on the Weather Channel this morning, there's a new Amsterdam vodka bottle sitting right behind me. <laughs> it's part of the setup. Oh my gosh, Parrish! All right, have a merry Christmas. You have a merry Christmas, Norlander. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas to everybody. We're gonna be back on uh, Monday, and uh, we'll look back at Louisville, Kentucky, of course, and uh, whatever else. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll talk about New Year's plans, probably. probably, and talk about New Year's plans, which uh, for uh, Norlander and me is probably gonna be uh, sitting at home taking care of kids, right? Oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right, we'll talk to you Monday. Bye.